0: It's difficult for us to really wrap our heads around how good God is and how faithful he is. Because when you look around at the world that we live in, it's just by nature. Our flesh is not good and we're not faithful. But God is so good. Everything he creates is good. So He's so good to the point where the Bible even says that he takes the things that are meant to hurt us, the, the, the weapons that are formed against us, the, the bad things in our life, and turns them for our good. Because everything he makes is good. And he's faithful. He never leaves us and never forsakes us. as what scripture says. God is so good. And what just a great move of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Brother Antonio, when you came in shouting and running, man. Dude. To be so free in this presence of God. That you can set aside all of the weight and the sin and the things that so easily beset us. And we can run with endurance, with strength, and with victory. There is true freedom in the Spirit of God. There's true freedom in the Holy Ghost. If you feel like you want to run to get a hold of God, you take off and run. If you feel like you want to shout to get a hold of God, you go ahead and shout. You do what you feel like you need to do to touch The hem of his garment, like David dancing before the king, jumping, shouting, clapping hands. It's all biblical. God did not design us to sit in his presence, but we're to stand and to worship him, to bow the knee and to jump, to lift up our voice and to give him the highest praise. We're created to worship. And when we worship the one true king, there's nothing but freedom sets us free from everything, no chains anymore, no past anymore even, behold all things have become new, that's what scripture says, today we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail, could we all stand real quick, I'm going to, we're going to start in John chapter 3, and uh, I just want to remind everyone, if you're interested in being baptized really at any time. We could baptize you today if you want it. But next week is our Rise Up service, our baptism initiative. If you want to be baptized in the precious name of Jesus, which we're going to talk about that today if you weren't in spirit life, you can sign up on the Church Center app or we can help you with that at our Connect Center. But come chat with us. If you're interested in being baptized and you have questions, I hope today through what the Lord's given me that we can answer a lot of those questions, but we can provide Bible studies. We can sit down and talk this out because God doesn't want the process of salvation to be a mystery to us. He the pastor said it today. There is one truth and the truth, the name of truth is Jesus Christ. Really, that, that, that person, our God is truth. He doesn't want you know, all these paths in life to be a mystery. He sets it out very clear and we can talk with you about that in Jesus' name. Let's go John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 in the Amplified. I think all of my scriptures are either Amplified or New King James. And I I apologize, Nate, I didn't even get my scriptures to you this morning. So please just follow along if you can. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Now there was a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler. And he was a member of the Sanhedrin and Pharisees among the Jews who came to Jesus at night And said to him, Rabbi or teacher, we know without any doubt that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs, these wonders, these attesting miracles that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, that is reborn from above or spiritually transformed, renewed and sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Those are Jesus's words. Let's all lift our hands and and pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the spirit that we get to feel, the, the power and the peace and the love that comes with experiencing your presence. Jesus, we're thankful that we have a culture here at this church that that we're going to pray. When we feel the moving of the Holy Ghost, we're not going to rush. We're going to enjoy your presence. And as your word says that your house is to be a house of prayer. So we put that first and foremost, that we want to uh, just interact with your presence. We want to pray and to seek your face, Jesus. And help us, God, as we dive into your word Open our understanding. Let revelation flow today. Let this house be a house of truth and a sanctuary of peace. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can all be seated. everybody feels as awesome as I do today and today it isn't the coffee it's just the <laughs> Holy Ghost um, you know we're building up to a, a great day coming next week um, you know what's really cool about this is <clears throat> what, what's gonna take place next week through this Rise Up series and this baptism focus it's something to be celebrated and to be extremely excited about. Because the parallel in the scripture is you know, how many of you have kids? Who's got kids? All right. You know what it was like when you were getting close to the end of that pregnancy and you're just, I can't wait for this baby to get here. That's the picture we have in scripture baptism, a new birth. We should be excited electrified about what is going to happen because as people are baptized in the name of Jesus, they are baptized into new birth. A transformation takes place and a spiritual birth happens. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, I, I th- y'all know by now that I got way too many notes. Y'all know by now. Um, I'm going to get through this and get to, I guess, like the real crux of what we want to talk about today. But there, there's three points that uh, I just want to share with you. Since we're talking about baptism today, rise up in baptism if you haven't seen it already. Uh, I, I want to cover three points. I felt like this is what the Lord gave me. Number one, the essentiality of baptism. It's the way to get into the, to get into the, the, the kingdom of heaven. Baptism is the way. Um, I felt like the Lord wanted to talk about how to be baptized, what's the right way. And pastor covered a lot of this in spirit life. So if you were here, you're probably gonna get a recap of a lot of what was talked about. But if you weren't here for spirit life, I would encourage you next week, be here for spirit life. Little shameless plug, 10 Um, (laughs) o'clock. I've been hanging around pastor too much. He knows how to navigate a conversation and just do this. Um, but but the second thing is how to be baptized. What does the Bible say? Because God, like I said, does not want us to be confused in this point at all. There is one way, and we're going to talk about the way. Then the last thing is, what does baptism even do for us? Why do we get baptized? But to start off, let's, let's talk about how essential baptism is. John chapter 3 is an often quoted scripture when we talk about salvation because Jesus lays it out very plainly for Nicodemus here. Uh, we see an exchange happen where Nicodemus, this Pharisee or a teacher of the law, some translations call him a ruler of the Jews because they were, uh, as you know, a, um, <clears throat> a theocracy. So they're rulers and judges and, and the people of the law. They were the ones who ruled the nation of Israel. And this guy was a well studied Pharisee, well studied in the law. And he approaches Jesus, I believe, to see like the person that everybody is talking about. And he approaches Jesus and says to him, Rabbi, or calls him Rabbi, which often is actually translated as my master. Sometimes you see it as teacher, but it, it was a very common title used to reference Jesus as the rabbi or my master. And Nicodemus approaches Jesus this way and says, hey, we know that you're a teacher sent from God because we've seen the signs, we've seen the miracles, we've seen the things that you've done in people's lives, and there's no way any human can do that unless God is in the middle of it. And Nicodemus recognizes the supernatural authority that Jesus has. And then Jesus responds to him. I thought it was interesting the way that Jesus responds to him, because Nicodemus did not ask how did he be saved. He didn't ask about salvation. Yet, God, what's what's amazing about God is that even in the flesh, as Jesus was looking at the heart of man, and this, this is what I believe is he saw the earnestness of, of Nicodemus's heart, that he was chasing after truth, and he wanted to know what was true and right, and he wanted to know the path. So Jesus reveals that to him and says, Verily, as King James says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. This leaves out any question as to whether or not baptism is essential to salvation because it isn't just an outward sign of like an inward faith but baptism truly is essential and Jesus gets to the heart of this uh when he talks a little bit long uh, a little bit more with Nicodemus but I love the way that that Rob brother Rob teaches salvation if you were in Spirit Life a couple weeks ago he likened it all the way through as uh the birth of a baby and water baptism is part of that birthing process just as the water flows from woman when a baby is born into this world so too baptism flows over a human so they can be born into the spirit and this is what jesus says but jesus uses that very same analogy in john chapter 3 verses 5 through 6 he says jesus answered i assure you and most solemnly say to you or this is very important listen to this that's that's what that means okay this is very important Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, which means the physical is merely physical. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That was the amplified version. But Jesus says, listen to these words because they are so important to your understanding. Listen to me. Unless you're born of water and of spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Nick, Jesus explains this because Nicodemus asks him a question, like, how can a man be born again? Does he go into, a, into the womb again a second time physically? Jesus is like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something spiritual, something supernatural that's going to happen. And he, he uses this phrase, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born is spirit, of spirit is spirit. The way we understand this, that which is born of flesh is flesh, is Whatever is born of the flesh is corruptible. It's not perfect. Our flesh, pastor, talked about the fallen state of humanity in spirit life today. Through that story, Genesis, the fall of man, when sin entered the world, we understand that death also entered the world, and now humanity was in a fallen state, an imperfect state, a state that the destination of which was just to lead to death and destruction, That's what scripture tells us. So when Jesus is saying that which is born of flesh or the physical is merely physical and it's corruptible, it's not able to enter into eternity in that condition. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. And Paul picks up this thread in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. He says, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption." So the Apostle Paul takes this thread that Jesus lays out for Nicodemus, picks it up, and he explains to the church, the Corinthians, that your flesh and blood, your body, uh, and all the stuff that's, that encompasses the flesh, all of the sin, all of the corruption, all of the fall of humanity cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Sin cannot dwell with God we understand this through scripture that he's light and in him is no darkness. There's no corruption in God. There's only corruption in the flesh and in wickedness. But then Paul says something that nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Our flesh is naturally corrupt because of the fall of man. And Jesus is saying that if you're only born of this earth, you cannot experience the kingdom of heaven. If you're only, if, you're, if you have one birth in your life and it's just a fleshly birth, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. This tells me that what Jesus is talking about, baptism, is absolutely essential. There's no way into heaven without it. But then Jesus says, that which is born of spirit is spirit. And if we follow this threads through scripture. A spiritual birth, on the other hand, allows a human to experience and to enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, in... John chapter 3, verse 3, I believe it is, when Jesus said you cannot see the kingdom of heaven, that comes from a Greek word that's not just talking about looking with your eyes, but it's talking about experiencing the kingdom of heaven. You can't you can't even interact with the Spirit of God unless you are born again. God moves on the heart of man, but you cannot interact in an intimate way with God without being born again. You might feel the goosebumps when you come to church, but to to walk with God every day, that requires a another birth that requires the spiritual birth because that which is born of spirit is spirit the whole plan of jesus understand this the whole plan of jesus the whole point of scripture is to show us that god created humanity to dwell with him and to worship him that's what he wanted he wanted intimacy with his creation but yet humanity decided a different way really what adam and eve did when they chose to disobey God, it's, it almost looks like walking into the throne room and say, step aside, God, I can do things better. I can do things better on my own. And that created a division between God and his creation. And the whole point of the scripture is to reveal to us that God desires that intimacy still today and he wants his creation to dwell with him and to worship him and he provided a way so that can happen again. He's trying to restore humanity back to the Garden of Eden state, back to before the fall. He wants to dwell with us and then ultimately he wants us to be in heaven with him forever. You talk about goodness and faithfulness of God because we know we don't deserve anything that God gives us. In in our natural state, we don't deserve salvation, yet because of his goodness and his faithfulness, he provided a way, and part of that way is through baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, so we can be born in the Spirit. But going back, Paul uh, even talks about this, 1 Corinthians 15, if you read verses 53 and 54, he says, for this corruptible, Right, He's going back to the corruption, cannot inherit incorruption, but he's saying this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That when we're able to set aside our flesh through walking through the waters of baptism, when we can set aside our flesh and be born of the Spirit, we're putting on the incorruptible, the eternal, the Spirit of God, the identity of Jesus Christ that he's intended us to have. And when we've put on that incorruption now, we're not just mortal, but we're immortal. And death has no sting with somebody who is born of the Spirit. Yes, you got to walk through the grave at the end of your life, yet The second death has been been removed because God is good and he's faithful and death is swallowed up in victory. So we have to be born in the spirit in order to put on the incorruptible. That's that's the spirit and remove the corruptible and that's the flesh. And we must be born of water and spirit. That's what Jesus says, water and spirit. What else could be born? could be... Being born of the water, other than baptism. Because he already said that if you're born of the flesh, that's flesh, but I'm talking about a different birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth, baptism and being filled with the Holy Ghost. So, baptism is essential, and Jesus laid it out very plain for Nicodemus. But one of the most misconstrued parts of baptism is really the way to be baptized. Pastor did an excellent job talking about this today, that throughout the years, it's been modified. It's been modified and changed, and now that's created all sorts of different ways to get baptized. But Jesus is, as Pastor said this morning, the way, the truth, and the life. He has one way. We're gonna talk about that one way. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 15. I'm not going to read this one, I just want to give you some context. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 15. Jesus is asking the disciples, Who do men say that I am? And the disciples respond to him by saying, Well, some people say you're uh, one of the prophets. Some people say you're one of the prophets of old. And some people say you're just a prophet or a teacher. And then Jesus makes it a little bit more specific and he says, okay, well, who do you say that I am? You now, not everybody else, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, as we know, he steps up and he answers his question, says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's King James. <laughs> but Peter uses this, this word, the Christ, to describe Jesus. In Greek, that word just means the Messiah. So Peter has this light bulb moment, I guess, when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. In other words, you are God in flesh. You are the God that created everything in the beginning that was prophesied all throughout the Old Testament, that that we've been looking forward to, the one that's going to deliver Israel and that's going to, the Gentiles will come and see the light of the Messiah. You're the one. You're the Messiah. And through that revelation, Jesus entrusts Peter with something that we call the keys to the kingdom. Because Jesus then goes on to, to explain to Peter that, You know, you're Peter, but on this rock or the rock of this revelation, this understanding that Jesus is the Messiah, I'm going to build my church. That there is one God. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. On the revelation that Jesus is God in flesh, that's what the church is built on. And then Jesus says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, meaning the church. And then he says in verse 19, this is where I'm going to read to you in the Amplified I will give you the keys or the authority of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind, that is to forbid, to declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, uh, will have already been bound in heaven and whatever you loose, that is to permit or declare lawful on earth, will have already been loosed in heaven. Jesus gives Peter a certain type of authority right here. Keys. What do keys do? Keys unlock stuff. They unlock doors, they unlock safes, they unlock gates, like whatever. They unlock things. And Jesus entrusted Peter with the authority to unlock the kingdom of heaven to this earth. Through the revelation of Jesus Christ, Peter was given the authority to unlock the kingdom of heaven. So now Peter has these keys and he does, he's not able to use them right away because we have to fast forward through the narrative but let's follow it because Jesus gives a great command in Matthew 28. We're going to get to the scripture everybody knows when we talk about the keys, but Matthew 28. Jesus has been crucified, his blood has been shed, he has been buried and he has resurrected. And now he's been revealed to all of these people and he's revealed himself to the disciples again, showing I am the resurrected savior. And now we have Matthew 28 verses 19 through 20 where Jesus is giving one final command to his disciples. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That word nations is ethnos, which literally means make disciples of all ethnic backgrounds because salvation is for everybody. But go and make disciples of all nations, help them to learn of me, believe in me and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo I am with you always. I'm remaining with you perpetually regardless of circumstance and on every occasion. I'd love to amplify Bible sometimes even to the end of the age. Jesus' is one final command to his disciples, and he tells them to preach the gospel to every ethnic background on the face of this planet. Everybody needs to hear the gospel because the scripture also tells us that the gospel has the power to save a soul. It is mighty through God. But the gospel is to be preached, and then in conjunction with preaching the gospel, you are to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. If you think critically about what Jesus just said, you might say that Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not names. That's true, they're not. They're titles. Even, uh, this might blow some of your minds. I don't know if it does, but even God is not a name. It's a title. It's what he is. Jesus is a name. In Acts chapter two, we see the Holy Ghost poured out. Acts chapter two, verses one through three. And how do we know the Holy Ghost was poured out? Because scripture says they spoke with tongues. If that flips your lid today, I want you to know that it's in the Bible. <laughs> they spoke with tongues. That was the marking or the sign, the initial, we call it the initial evidence because that's, that's what happens Firstly, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, the initial evidence of speaking in tongues, and then you'll be able to see fruit come out of somebody's life as they continue to walk with God. But it, it was the initial evidence. And Scripture gives us kind of a crazy picture that there was the sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. That, that rushing mighty wind, if you, you know study out that phrase, it's like a torrential hurricane. That's what, the, that's what it sounded like in that house, that the power of God literally stepped into that place and manifested physically as this, this crazy sound. It almost reminds me of what it, 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 Elijah encountered on the mountaintop when all this crazy stuff happened, and then he heard the voice of God. But, but they, they experienced this thing, and then cloven tongues like fire sat upon each of them if you're following along, I think that's Acts chapter 2, verse 2, or verse 3, one of the two, but cloven tongues, meaning tongues outside of somebody's mouth. <laughs> you ever just seen a cow tongue? That's what I imagine, but <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that, <laughs> but literally cloven tongues are separated from the mouth. It's been cloven from the mouth, sat on each of their heads like fire dancing. I imagine that's because fire flickers and I imagine a tongue flickering. And and then scripture says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they knew this because they started speaking in tongues. So then as they experienced this insane event, something that had never happened before, Peter stands up with the other apostles after being accused of being drunk and pouring out into the streets and you know, probably falling all over each other. And, but they're accused of being drunk and Peter stands up and says, no, that's not what's going on here. I'm gonna tell you what is. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. That in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old man shall dream dreams, young man shall see visions. And Peter explains this prophecy that this is what was promised by God. This is the salvation that was promised by God, that his spirit would not only interact with man, but now would fill a human. And then Peter preaches an extremely convicting message, uses a ton of scripture, references David, and talks about how Jesus is the Messiah and, and how he accomplished all of these prophecies. And now the Jews have slain their Messiah, the one who was, was, was to come and to save uh, his people from their sin, and now he was dead, but that's not where it ended because now Jesus has resurrected and he has ascended with all power and authority. And then the people say in verse 37, men and brethren, what must we do? The Bible says they were so convicted, they were cut to the heart as scripture says. So on the inside, they were hurt by what Peter had said and they understood that they had slain their Messiah, their savior. And then Peter gives them a command. This is what you need to do. And we see the keys. Peter takes them out of his pocket, spiritual pocket, Puts them in that spiritual door and unlocks. Acts chapter two, verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent. I'm gonna read this in the Amplified. That is to change your old way of thinking and turn from your sinful ways and accept and follow Jesus as the Messiah. That's repentance. And be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Or King James says the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, for this promise of the Holy Spirit and salvation is for you and your children and for all who are far away, including the Gentiles, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. It's God who saves the human soul. But you know, because... God cares and he loves us so much and he's faithful. He's provided a way for us to be with him for all of eternity. He's provided a way for us to be born of the spirit. So we're no longer just walking in corruption, but now we can put on incorruptible and be with him for all of eternity. And Peter says specifically, be baptized every one of you, not some of you, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Did Peter misunderstand what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit? No. Pastor stole my point today. (laughs) In spirit life, it's okay. Uh, He didn't misunderstand what Jesus was saying. Because if he did, there would have been an uproar among the apostles. They would have tore him up one side and down the other and said, that is not what Jesus said. But the fact that they all stood in unity in one spirit, and Peter said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He didn't understand Jesus, he didn't misunderstand Jesus. The name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is Jesus. That is the name. We understand Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That was talking about Jesus' name. It's by the name of Jesus that we're saved. When you go under the waters of baptism, the name of Jesus is spoken over you. Because as pastor said, it's not the water itself that cleanses you. It's the name of Jesus that's spoken over you. And that doesn't just forgive sin, but it removes the entire record of sin on your life. It applies the blood of Jesus to your life. So now that record that followed you every day of your life has been completely removed when the name of Jesus is spoken over you in baptism. It's through the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you, there's not just one place in Scripture where they baptize. Baptized in Jesus' name and then baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I'm gonna give you a couple quick examples. Acts chapter 8, verse 20, verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were they were being baptized, both men and women. Acts chapter ten verses forty six through forty eight. For they heard them talking in unknown tongues and languages and exalting and magnifying and praising God. Then Peter said, "Can anyone refuse water for these people to be baptized, since they have received the Holy Spirit just like the Jews did?" And then verse forty eight. And he ordered or commanded them. That that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay there for a few days. Acts 19.5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is the pattern in scripture, baptized in Jesus' name because it's in his name that we find salvation. Man, I'm going a lot longer than I thought I was going to. I'm gonna get to this last point, I promise you. Last point, so we've already covered baptism is essential. Jesus told Nicodemus, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you're born of water and spirit. There's gotta be a new birth. So it's essential. There's no way around baptism. I just wanna make sure that that is clear. Number two, we've talked about the template of baptism. Peter had the keys to the kingdom. He had the authority to unlock the gates of heaven and he unlocked the gates of heaven on Acts chapter two, verse 38. Verse 38. He showed them the way to inherit the kingdom of God. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So that's the template, baptism in Jesus' name. This last thing is what on earth does baptism even do for us? Aside from Jesus commanded it, I mean, we know that. It's a requirement. But the Bible uses such beautiful language when it talks about baptism, and there's so much, to, I don't even have time to really dive into it super deep, so we're going to keep it high level. But Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says that it is for the remission of sins. I want to take a minute so that you understand what that means. Remission of sins. To remit is actually a legal term. What it means is that it remits a record or removes something from the record as if it never happened. Another word you can use is expunge to wipe the slate clean as if it never happened. And scripture says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So when we talk about baptism, the fact that Jesus died on a cross and pastor mentioned that scripture uh, where the, it's Acts, or I'm sorry, John 19, where the spear pierced the side of Jesus and blood and water flowed out. That blood that he shed on the cross is for the remission of sins. And that's, that's something that gets applied when we're baptized in the name of Jesus. The blood covers the record. I got a scripture for that, and I, it's actually it's so beautiful. But before we get there, the other thing that baptism does is that it identifies us with the burial of Jesus. We take on a new identity when we're baptized. Romans chapter six, verses three through four, or are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We have therefore been buried with him through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory and power of the Father, we too might walk habitually in newness of life, abandoning our old ways. It's in the Amplified. Oh, thank you. Repentance is the death to flesh. Brother Rob talked about this last week. It's, it's where we die We sacrifice, I really almost threw in the walking through the tabernacle, but (laughs) chose not to, but it really is a sacrifice. It's, we're sacrificing our flesh. We're abandoning our our fleshly desires and ways and consciously choosing a different path, consciously choosing to walk after God. That's the repentance part. But once the flesh is dead, it has to be buried. They didn't just leave Jesus on the cross to rot, He was buried, and that was all part of his plan, that just as Jesus was buried, we too are buried in baptism. But there's a purpose for it, because Paul doesn't just say, we identify with the burial and that's it. He says that when we're baptized, we're baptized into death, or we identify with Jesus Christ with his death, so that... Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory and power of the Father, we too might walk habitually in newness of life. Baptism to be buried is the mode to then rising up. We have to be buried just like Jesus was so he could get up out of the tomb. That's what Paul is saying. We're buried in baptism so that just like Jesus didn't stay in the tomb, we don't have to either. We can rise up in newness of life. Baptism... I want to get back to this point real quick, and this is probably where we're going to close. Baptism removes the debt of sin in our life. When you start to think about sin as a debt, it's a little bit easier to understand. You know, because when you got $10,000 in credit card debt, don't feel very good. But same with sin. It's, it's on our record. Like, it's, it's always there sitting on our shoulders as as humans. But through baptism, it removes that debt. Check this out. Colossians chapter two. Y'all should read Colossians, by the way. (laughs) Y'all should read Colossians if you haven't. Colossians chapter two, verse 11 through 15. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of The sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. Here we see that same phrase used. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Understand, when baptism is linked to death, it's also linked to resurrection because that's the path that Jesus took. He died so he could be raised again. Same with baptism. We die so that we could be raised again. And then verse 13 And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So he's forgiven us. Repentance brings the forgiveness of God. But then verse 14, this one is the crux of this point here. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them. Something I want you to understand about verse 14, it's using a lot of legal terms like the handwriting of requirements and all this stuff. You can sum that short phrase, handwriting of requirements, to debt. He wiped out the debt that was against us and has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross the sacrifice that he paid, the blood that was shed for the remission of sins, not just forgives us of our sins, but makes it as if those sins never existed in our life. He removes the debt that sin weighs down on us. He removes the record that sin has put on our life and he covers it in his blood and he puts his name on us. And now we're not just creations of God, but now we can be the sons and daughters of God. We can be adopted into his family, not far away observing God far off, but to be close to our father. And we can cry out, Abba, Father, like, Dad, you're so close to me. It is through baptism that that record is expunged. The name of Jesus and his blood applied to our life and a new birth can happen. To be born in the spirit. Let's all stand. I got one more scripture for you. Titus chapter three, verses four through seven say this, but when the kindness and the love of God, our savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, Because y'all understand, we're not righteous. But according to his mercy, he saved us. I said it a little earlier, we don't deserve it. It's only through his mercy he could destroy us. Because this is what mercy is. I want you to know this. This is what mercy is. Mercy is you have the ability to punish somebody and you choose not to. God has the ability to punish and destroy humanity for sins, but he chooses not to. Instead, he chose to create a path of salvation for humanity. So according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That washing of regeneration. You know, this is something amazing about baptism. You don't have to come to church and be baptized every Sunday because the power in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of his blood, Hebrew says that he died once and for all. He, does, he's, he don't have to go into the temple and die every every year or whatever as as they the day of atonement. He doesn't have to do that. His sacrifice was enough. His blood is powerful enough to cover us once and for all. And once we're baptized in the name of Jesus, even... 50 years down the road, we can call back to that baptism and have it wash us and regenerate us and renew us in the spirit. We can call back to that baptism and remit sins again. You don't have to go down in the waters every time because Jesus was only buried once. You be, you're buried one time and then that washing can come anytime you need it. That washing, the blood of Jesus can be applied at any time. But you gotta be baptized in the name of Jesus. Today, we talked about how baptism is essential. It's got to be done. Don't shoot the messenger, right? I didn't write the book. It's God's way, not ours. It's essential. The mode of baptism is immersion in Jesus' name. And it renews us. We're born again, it remits sin as if it never happened, it wipes away the record. So that when we stand before our Creator and He opens the books of judgment on that last day, all He's gonna see is His blood on the page. He won't see, you know, Reese, you lied here. Reese, you let people down here. Reese, you disobeyed your parents. Reese, you did this, you did that. No. When you're baptized in the name of Jesus, when He opens that book, and you continue to live for him with the rest of your life, all he sees is his blood. He can't see past that sacrifice that he made. And you can enter into eternity without a record, and you get to be with Jesus for the rest forever. Forever. I almost said for all of time, but we won't have time then. We'll be with him forever. It all comes through baptism in the name of Jesus Christ.
1: Would you just bow your heads with me? Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I want you to receive this. Make a a faith statement in your heart right now that you receive this word. Jesus, it does not matter where we were brought from, Where we grew up at, what our ethnic background is, who we know, who we don't know, how we were treated, how we weren't treated, whether we were well-served in life or underprivileged, does not matter. We all come to the same baptism the same way. Your name is what's most important. And I pray if there's anybody in this room that has not been baptized in Jesus' name, that next week they sign up and they come and they are buried with you in baptism in the precious, mighty, holy name of Jesus. Amen. Let that work on you for a minute. Let that word not slip out. Don't let the enemy come in and remove that word from your life this week. Stay in that precious name. Remember, I'm covered in red. I'm covered in red. All my debt is paid in Jesus Christ. Let's celebrate our champion today. Let's celebrate who he is. In the name of Jesus as we close today.
2: I would invite you to come and accept the word this morning and and pray if you need to and ask the Lord if baptism is what you need to do. Just come and spend some time with the Lord. We're going to sing but not as for you to watch us, for you to just come and, and experience with him. you're teaching me how to receive it so let all the strife center if you're our guest today we'd love to meet you pastor and i would meet you in the room that's right on the other side of this wall join us for some fellowship after church we'd love to get to know you god bless your week in the name of jesus go with jesus this week thank you lord